And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, your local beat writer from The Athletic. And he was such a big fan of Sir Mix-a-Lot back in the day, the combination to his first safe was 36-24-36. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How are you doing? <laughs> it was 37. The last oh, okay, 37. well, uh, <laughs> measurement stickler here, okay. Just, just... <laughs> <laughs> no i'm doing good uh i just want to shout out all the listeners i know we remain stuck in this awful lockout that may or may not be over by monday i'm thinking probably not um i i know we're not here we're not talking about like fire safety we're not talking about like anime we have some friends who turn to that for entertainment for some reason no we're talking about baseball uh, but we try to have fun here. We're going to try to make this entertaining. Stick around to the end. It's we have a, story a great that story that we've been waiting to tell. And uh, the time is right now. The time is right. Um, as you said, we are not by the time this podcast publishes, but by the end of the day of publishing day, presumably we're going to have yeah. some regular season games canceled. Uh, and a couple of lockout things is kind of just scrape off the top for this pod um interesting move by major league baseball the owners to kind of for the first time really apply some pressure uh if you read any of the stories uh, about this announcement um the players thought that it was a soft deadline and mlb said nah bruh uh canceled games is canceled games you ain't getting your money uh like they, they came out really hard which is interesting for two reasons one i think this was the first time of a more aggressive approach for uh a deadline and the ramifications of that and two you know anytime you're in a negotiation it's it's kind of a double-edged sword about when you want to go hard and this was them going hard, and the players, you know, pretty understandably so, were kind of like, okay, like, you're going to try to strong arm us now with, like, five days notice that this is, like, a hard deadline? I didn't really seem like they were too cool about that, which, you know, this is a labor negotiation, collective bargaining after all. Didn't really seem like that was going to go over well, and it didn't. Um, so I'm going under the impression that we ain't going to get a on-time start for the regular season now, and that's a bummer. At least we did get some news this week on some progress on some stuff, so, you know, this publishes, and maybe we turn out to be wrong. I doubt it, but maybe we turn out to be wrong. Uh, we actually got some seemingly like an agreement or agreement in principle about the draft lottery, which players want because they want to de-incentivize tanking. They wanted eight teams eligible to in the lottery get the you know top several picks. MLB initially went three. Now they're doing four. Uh, I believe the I, I, it was unclear about what number was agreed to, but the reports are. I think it was seven. Seven. Right? You know, some people were throwing around four, but maybe maybe it's seven uh, teams that would be in the lottery. Thus you know, potentially decreasing uh, tanking, which 
tanking in general, I've never really understood that as being a thing in baseball because there's so much development that happens uh, either way. It's not like ba- – we've talked about this before. But not like basketball. You know, how many number one overall picks have been elected to the Hall of Fame? Two? Chipper and Ken Griffey Jr.? I think so right. I, I've never really understood, it's like, perfect, tanking yeah. being mm-hmm. a thing, like like tanking, tanking to get to the top draft pick. But whatever. Um, I would say this is a – Majority kind of bad news, but some positive-ish news. What's your kind of read on the situation as we look at the season not starting March 31st or whatever the technical state would, uh, date would be? Yeah, uh, I don't know at this point, man. I think I think two things remain relevant. Like From working in the journalism industry, I can tell you two things about deadlines. Number one... Deadlines get things done. Deadlines create progress. Also, deadlines are important. They matter. But they're never quite as firm as you're led to believe. They can always be pushback. They can always be altered. It was a hard-line negotiating tactic for MLB to say, no, Monday's the deadline. But again, I still think we're going to inch toward more progress the closer we get. Maybe not just to that Monday deadline, but... Like, what's the actual drop-dead deadline, you know, maybe a few days into March? Um, I still feel like we're going to have a 162-game regular season one way or another. Uh, There's money at stake for both sides there, not just the players. You know, and I always thought it would take up to the last minute to get a deal done. It's looking like that. even that was optimistic. It's I I don't know. It would take uh, remarkable progress to have the season start on time. Great timing, because guess where I'm going to be when this pod runs? I'm going to be in beautiful Lakeland, Florida. Is it a good idea? Is it a good timing for me to go to Lakeland? I don't know. Probably not. But the company finally approved me to go. I'm going to go cover some prospects for a few days. How long am I staying in Lakeland, Kieran? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I've booked a return flight and was told, oh, you can extend it, maybe, and so I don't know. I don't know how much, how many, how, like what amount of clothes to pack. Uh, I, I'm starting to think I'm just going to be there for like four or five days, and then we'll come back whenever like real like major league players show up. Um, in terms of the bargaining progress, like I know progress has been described as incremental in the negotiations over the past week. That's not great. We're sitting here still debating like, oh, is it going to be seven or eight teams in the draft lottery, or what about four and. I'm in favor of a draft lottery, get you another TV special, whatever. I don't think it's going to make a huge difference in the game. I think of all the things we can be arguing about, it's uh, one of the most important things on the list. But, like, I guess we're getting close to agreements on some of the more basic stuff now in terms of how much is going to be in this pre-arb bonus pool and what's going to happen with the competitive balance tax. Those seem like the bigger ticket issues that... uh, at the time we're recording this on Saturday, there's not been a lot of progress on, and it uh, seems like the two sides remain pretty far apart. You're going to go down and see what Max Scherzer's fit is on a daily basis, like a lot of people on Twitter? Uh, no, I don't I don't plan to do that. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know, you know, um, let's have, I think there are some reports out of Lakeland. Some of the Tigers guys showed up in golf attire after their golf outing, so I can keep an eye on important developments like that and let you know these prospects are still wearing golf attire uh, i like to pay attention to what dudes are wearing who's got a good sense of style i don't know how much i'll see him out of uniform but 
I always like to see what the team executives are wearing. For some reason, they're always wearing like long sleeves or pullovers, like in the Florida Heat. Um, but but you know, some of them dress pretty well. So yeah, I'll be I'll be giving some fashion updates, just not make sure. Yeah, just you know, your your Twitter account becomes a little bit of a red carpet, and that is what we are forced to with this lockout. I was listening to a uh, just like a general sports podcast this guy is based at in New York and he used to be just a regular radio guy at the uh, the fan in New York City and now he's doing pods about 3 a week and he was like let me tell you something nothing would make me want to bang my head against the wall more than if I had 5 hours a day to fill and I had to fill the majority of it with lockout talk if that's what you love then <laughs> more power to you so we're going to Ugh. seal it right there because because we could we, we, no one cares no one likes it, to talk it, about it there's and there's not even anything to talk about okay we've already done it too much uh speaking of prospects um we got some hitters in this week we got to see some live pitching um or yeah live pitching on you know with batters and stuff yeah some live and um, yeah. i my first instinct was man Got these dudes with no nets. That was uh, it was very scary because it was like day two. <laughs> I was like, y- you can't like implement this a little bit. But anyway, uh, I got to see some of the guys that we had talked about last week. You know, either on the mound or in the batter's box, see their swing. Uh, Campos does really have a nice, simple, you know, simple swing, and um, and it was nice to see you know Torkelson in, in, in the box. Uh, speaking of Torkelson, one of the things. You and I both know a lot of quotes are kind of, they don't really hold a lot of weight. Don't really pay attention to them. They're very cliche. But I will say this. there Every now and then you get like a statement that says, okay, this is at least a glimpse into what he really thinks. And Torkelson, I think it was in the MLB.com story, if I recall correctly. I'm sure he was speaking to multiple reporters, but I just happened to catch it. MLB.com. Torkelson... They asked him about his different, you know, mentality last year to this year, and he's like, well, it's the same mentality because, of course, like, you know, they're going to want to, you know, say that they approach everything the same way, even though they're lying, but they're, they're oh, always yeah. going to say that. But he did say it's the same mentality, but it's different because this year, there's a chance. And I was like, okay, okay, Torque, there's a chance. I, I, I like him kind of looking at it that way. Um, we'll have to see, you know, how good he looks in, in person once you're down there. Cause supposedly he's a little bit more fit, um, credited, uh, his girlfriend for cooking some healthy meals instead of ordering out all the time. Um, and so maybe he's in, maybe he's best shape of his life guy. The first instance of special Torgerson, best shape of his life. That that's pretty exciting. That's, that's worth, uh, worth a ticket down the Lakeland, I'd say. So, um, anything that we haven't talked about that you're really looking forward to uh, to seeing with your own eyes, putting your scout cap on. Um, I think I'm I'm trying to decide if I will be reporting to Lakeland in the best shape of my <laughs> life or not. Um, tough to say. Kind of I guess you know try to put on some more muscle, add some more power this year. I think I did that, but I, am I in the best you know cardio shape of my life? I'm not too. Uh, Two years ago, I reported to Lakeland fresh off running a half marathon. So depends how you define best shape, you know. Oh, baseball <laughs> shape, maybe you'd be okay. You know, just power. I think, I, I think so, yeah. Got yeah, pliability. Yeah, gonna, uh, yeah, exactly. 
in terms of prospects, I don't know. I look with I think the most relevant topic today, Jackson Job appeared high in prospect rankings when both Fangraphs and ESPN, like in the 30s, in the top 100. But he allowed a live BP home run to Manuel Sequeira. Yeah. Is he a bust? I mean, he's I, I, we had put him back in Keith Law's top 100 after he threw a bullpen, but he allowed a live BP home run. Is you know we got got to take him back out of that now, do right? You, do you think they should Kumar <laughs> Rocker him? Do you think they should just like you know tear up the contract and you know send him in the draft next year? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. I think he's gonna be all right. I think our guy Jackson Job is gonna be just fine. I am interested to see. Um, a lot of these guys, I think Sequeira and Christian Santana seem to be garnering a lot of interest Two guys I've not seen with my own eyes yet. And, uh, seems like they, they were both pretty impressive. So I am highly interested to watch them to see Campos. Some of it though, like the Job stuff, you got to take with a grain of salt. Like Jose De La Cruz has been, uh, belting balls off a pitching machine out of the park. And, uh, I love, you know, in the free press story, Evan Petzold noted that De La Cruz, he's been showing all this power, and then he noted, like, his stats from last year and how he got demoted. Isn't he, like, 24, too? made me laugh like, a little bit. He... I don't know. He's not that old, is he? That, that, that's the other, uh, that's De La, um, De La oh, Rosa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, my bad on that, but, but hey, you know, any, you know, it, we're in a world where any news is good news, honestly, and, uh, you know, see, see guys performing well, and you know what what it means. That's that's different, but it's nice to see. And uh, we're doing this live right now. Uh, this is I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but I have another submission for a Riley Green nickname, and you're not gonna like it at first, but I think it's gonna grow on you. So I just want you to think about it, like over, while you're in Lakeland. All right. All right. Shades. Riley Shades Green. Uh, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. He's, he's always, always rocking shades. shades. And I know he's a baseball player, so that's like basic, right? But I just feel like every single time I see him. His kids his kind of stick out. He has different ones. No, and I like it. I, I like saw... It. <laughs> this is such a weird thing to just kind of like say on a public forum, like a podcast. But I started following his girlfriend on Instagram because I wanted to see, like, you know, <laughs> what he's what he's up to, you know, uh, away from the ball field. And she posted, like, a like a I miss you picture. He's in his little cowboy outfit, and he's got, like, uh, he's got a cowboy hat on. Guess what else he's got on? He's got shades on, baby. He's got shades on. All right, real quick. I don't want to make it seem like I, like, stalk the players too much on social media because, like, it, look, if they see if they post on Instagram, I see it. It's not like I'm spending my free time looking for this stuff. Riley like reposted that from his girlfriend. I think it said like happy three months. It's like I feel like who actually celebrates three month anniversaries? Like, hey man, so, if I was whatever. with Riley Green, Riley, I'd be celebrating a three month anniversary. I'm with an MVP. <laughs> well, true, true. You got to make sure you lock that up. Yeah, there's some money at stake there. Uh, no offense, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a great, fulfilling relationship. I think we got to knock Torque for not doing his own cooking a little bit. We're we're fans of uh, progressive yes. gender roles here on this podcast. You know, you know yeah, whatever. He's fully capable of you know? You know, cooking his own healthy meal. But <laughs> I but, think so. But, but, but with Riley, also there's uh, you know since his last name's a color. You know, like it, it, it kind of meshes a little bit, you know, like shades green, 
Like, uh, you know, I just, I, I, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Maybe it will grow on us. We'll see. But I just wanted official special. I think that's better than uh, whatever the your machine. last one The machine. Because of, yeah, because of like, the record I label. I like shades better. Uh, Riley Green, the yeah, singer, okay. just has really depressing songs. So there wasn't anything I could glean. I went back to, like, a couple of his albums, like, one album, and I was like, it's a bunch of... Yeah, it's a bunch of sad stuff. Like it's not really anything except for "There's This Girl." That's a that's a positive song, but uh, everything else is kind of depressing. Okay. Honest, like you know, grandpa stuff, and you know that's all great and stuff. But it, oh, I, th- I think that's a great song. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. yeah, I've teared up to that yeah, song. It has nothing to do with the quality of the song. I'm just saying it doesn't fit what I'm looking for. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> gotcha. But uh, you know, it's funny you say you're going to to Lakeland. Is it because your your bag of tricks is finally empty? You, have you emptied out your bag of tricks tricks on the beat because you had this con man story? You've had a couple other ones that were really like out of left field, and then this week there's a story about Armandis Galarraga being the subject. Armando. Armando, excuse me, I'm sorry, being the subject of a law school pre-law class and you wrote about that and so again as i said last week where the hell did you get this one cody where did you get it <laughs> uh yeah you could argue the the idea tank is running low you should see a couple story ideas that i've pursued that have not come to fruition i've been uh been really digging on some stuff uh, that they'll probably never see the light of day but that one um, I had actually got wind of this from like someone who was in, involved with Saber, and they were like, "Yo, your um, your article from a couple years ago when Armando Galarraga is like being used as material in this class at Monmouth University." I was like, "Okay, that's like weird and interesting." Sure enough, the professor who taught this class, Law and Society at Monmouth, emailed me and uh, sent me the eighty-page proposal his students wrote and have mailed to Rob Manfred arguing that Armando Galarraga should be officially credited with a perfect game. Um, And I read through the proposal, and he wanted to go on a Zoom call and just see what I thought of the proposal. So I went on the Zoom call and talked, and I think the guy was really just trying to get some pub for his, his, uh, his proposal and his class. But I thought it was really interesting, and the proposal was well done. I think it's professional, and... Look, I've devoted plenty of my life to thinking about Armando Galarraga and and the precedent and whether it should actually be called a perfect game, but this proposal the students did, which is linked at the bottom of my story, breaks it down, you know, almost like a court case, looks at it from a very rational and legal perspective, um, includes a lot of history, a lot of precedents, a lot of other cases in baseball history, brings in kind of legal arguments. Should we look at the law's literal or should we think about the spirit of the law and the spirit of rules? I thought it was actually really interesting. I kind of enjoyed reading through it. And I just think it was interesting that there was almost an entire class devoted to something that happened in Detroit Tigers history. Um, so I did. I, I decided to write a story and the professor uh, set me up on a Zoom with a couple students who had taken the class and worked on the project, and they all, they've all they all seemed very, very passionate about it. Um, the two students I talked to were not really baseball fans, but had been com- completely engulfed in the Armando Galarraga um, almost perfect game story. Armando had also Zoomed with the class and talked to the students uh, personally, and it seemed like they were really... Um, 
I don't know, felt a lot of empathy for him after learning not just about the perfect game, but about his entire life story coming from Venezuela and not knowing English and working his way up to the big leagues and going through a lot of ups and downs in his in his um, ultimately relatively short baseball career. Um, so yeah, I thought it was interesting. I like to write stories about interesting things. I wrote a story about it. It was interesting. I also wonder, is this the first time that you wrote a story that you plugged yourself <laughs> which was which by the way not a I, dick not a, not a dick like yeah. you had to because yeah. you know it, it's it's part of because first of all you were part of the material your story is part of the material and then like you had to mention that galaraga doesn't you know he kind of went back on what you know he had said to you and like all this stuff so you had it, it was good detail to do that but i did i was like I wonder if he just chuckled to himself yeah, as he it did was, this. <laughs> it was, I did, because I kind of had to mention my own story, but then in mentioning that story, it gets complicated, and I think we've talked about yeah, it yeah, yeah. on this podcast before. But it, Look, Armando was on the record with me for like five minutes and was very clear about what he was saying, and then unfortunately it kind of got aggregated and went crazy, and the Venezuelan media picked up on it, and he kind of tried to pump the brakes on it a little bit. Um I think the fact he talked to this law class, I don't know exactly what he said, but I think that reaffirms I have a, a pretty good idea of how Armando actually feels um, about all this. And, um, yeah, like, obviously I've linked to, like, other works I've done in stories before, but this was probably the most direct. <laughs> Full context, like, here. <laughs> this story that I wrote, like, is in uh, this report. Also, here's what happened. Also, more. if you want more context, click this link and then scroll all the way to the bottom. Yeah. Uh, it was trying to sum up a very complicated thought in like a couple sentences. Um, so yeah, I did kind of laugh as I was writing that. And so a, a little background for the listeners here. Uh, my, uh, my fiance, whom I had to say goodbye to today, she is on her way to, she's finally, she's finally, finally left, left me for New Orleans, Louisiana <laughs> for a Mardi Gras mm, bachelorette party. are not getting her back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh everything that entails if you uh if you're culturally up to that and uh and so one of the things that that she's told me and karen i i got i finally got fitted for my suit for your wedding and i paid like the full like deposit so i, I need you to make sure she comes back so i don't think i'm getting that it's a good back. point i'll let her know that would actually be good instead <laughs> but <laughs> Let alone her, like, your own, like, contributions to uh, booking the video yes. and everything. But, you know. <laughs> she, she once, she once, uh, one of the last times that we all went up to Stillwater, uh, she, she was telling me, she didn't tell me any details of the conversation, but she was telling me that, like, you know, Cody and I talked about, you know, this, and he was asking me all these questions, and I just felt like I was being interviewed and and she and she's you know she goes you know you get that too where you just ask all these questions that like are so pointed and like like make you think or whatever so you know obviously you're still a working journalist i was a j school guy um that's very much in our nature just asking you know asking questions but when i'm reading the quotes from these students I was like, man, these people really want to be lawyers. Did you feel like you were talking to lawyers? Like, with the... the oh, you didn't even... There was a lot, uh, especially the, the girl Hannah in the story. I felt kind of bad because her... Um, 
her interview was like very eloquent, like especially for a college student. And there was a lot of lawyer terminology. Um, and I didn't really use those quotes in the story because she was kind of laying out like the argument for why Armando should be credited with a perfect game. And I wasn't trying to make my story so much about that as just like the fact right. there was this class about it and the students made this proposal. If you want to read their arguments, you can click and scroll through the 80 pages of proposal. Um, yeah, so you should have seen the stuff that wasn't in the story. And th th they're not actually law students yet, by the way. They are still undergrad students. I believe this girl in particular aspires to go on to law school, um, and probably most of the students who took that class do. But, uh, yeah, you're spot on there. I just I just had a thought that uh, when we were in college, if, if we knew that was going to be, like, the assignment, obviously we would have, like, you know, try to take the class or whatever. And I just also think like how many dumbasses would would also like in that class. <laughs> I wouldn't think of it critically, like so it's one of those things it's probably oh, probably sure. better. It was kind of spurned on these students. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You would have had some some idiots like we took sports media <laughs> classes with enrolling just get oh I I like baseball, you know. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a lot of uh, a lot of dip cups in there. Let's just phrase it like that. <laughs> um, also one, one final note on this and i just it, it, uh, hopefully fewer in like new jersey at a private university than there would have been at oklahoma state by the way i'm sure i'm sure the student body is a little bit different i would imagine so i would imagine so um the the harvey uh haddix thing just real quick yeah do you really think aaron wasn't taking signals I was one of those things where I was like reading it. And I was like, are they just protecting the Hall of Famer, the the one true home run king? Ooh, wow! And, I don't you know. know. I, I was, you I know, don't it was know. just one of those things where I was like, you know, we're we're not gonna say that Aaron did it. You know, we don't want. We, you know, like, it's all yeah. those years later. I just kind of that's how it read to me. I don't know if it reads that to anybody else. Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. I had kind of forgot the details of that from all the uh, the complications in that game. I actually needed a quick. I I remember like that being an allegation, but uh, I need a quick refresher, honestly. Yeah, is it it's because you know, sometimes, you know, you know, their teammates and I'm trying to prevent Merle from going lay down Merle from going into the window, thus unplugging my microphone. Um it was one of those things where I just kinda of thought like they might just be protecting their guy, like, you know, the baseball immortal or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Like I wouldn't judge Aaron if he did it. Like, you know, uh it doesn't affect his legacy in my mind at all but i just kind of thought it was funny that it's like all these players did but aaron didn't i was like i don't know like what does it matter um so that i just didn't know if 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 that spurned your brain at all like it did mine um because i kind of feel like if it's there you're just gonna do it you know a lot of you know that's it what do you do but he aaron also what did he do? Because in the Wikipedia entry, all it says is that Hank Aaron was walked, and then he left the base pads in confusion because he's passed by another runner. I don't know what was going on. There's some crazy stuff going on here. But really nice if that game was on YouTube. That would that would that would be a fun watch. Yeah, it would I would watch it? I would watch it. But, but yeah, I mean that's that's a that's a fascinating tale. Um, I imagine. To your knowledge, the first time that any of your work has been part of a curriculum? Um, At least uh, 
Oh, okay, okay. So it was revealed that during the game, the Milwaukee bullpen tracked Haddix's intended pitches and signaled to the batters what pitch was to come. All players except Hank Aaron were believed to have taken the stolen signs. That seems like a pretty everyone that, but Hank. I don't know, but I will say, I actually kind of believe like Jose Altuve when he said he didn't really participate in the um, like trash can banging stuff because even like getting signs from second base in high school, it can be kind of a distraction. Like there's a lot to think about when you're up at the play, especially if you're struggling, you're worried about your swing. Then you got to like, you know, look out at whoever's giving you. It's, it's another thing to think about. I think some hitters might actually not want that. I have no idea about the Harvey Haddock game. No, I mean, that's fair. And it is just like steroids and sign stealing. It's a little more complicated a lot of times than, uh, sure. than what people sure. would like you to believe. So you collaborated. Your other big feature this week that um, that came out. You collaborated with a couple of your colleagues about in essence, like, what is the manager nowadays and comparing it maybe to, you know, previous generations. And I really love the illustrations in there about, like, Earl Weaver, like, kicking dirt on an umpire and Billy Martin, Billy Martining, uh, Jim Leland smoking a heater. That was all well and good. Um, Wrote this story with uh, Fabian Ardaya and Will Salmon, my colleagues at The Athletic. I bet most of you guys can guess which parts of the story I wrote. <laughs> yes, uh, the, there's some keen details in there for the fine readers of uh, the Athletic Tigers coverage, we'll phrase it like that. But this is something that we had kind of talked about on air, off air, was like, has has A.J. Hinch kind of brought back the power of the manager in, you know, specifically Tigers, I guess, fans' eyes, uh, but just like the... Baseball in general, when you look at the turnaround the Tigers had last year, it's very well documented. I did like a lot of the quotes in there that, you know, from from the managers that did talk to y'all, or at least were able to be pulled because with this lockout, certain teams aren't, you know, allowing people to talk and all that stuff. Tough story to do when, like, I got rejected by, like, four or five, or, like, had a couple teams reject me, texted a couple managers who rejected me, texted a couple managers and never heard back. Did not even get to talk to AJ Hinch for this story. It's a shame, really, because I think he would have offered just like he does. I think he would have had great insights. I kind of figured I would get him. I actually never even got an official response from the Tigers. Kind of a kind of a bummer. Have a shame. Um Luckily Gabe Kapler saved the day. He was terrific he, he, interview. Yeah. I thought he was very Thought he had very good perspective. Um, and his office. Jesus, the description of his office. I, like, <laughs> I want to go hang out in there, yeah. I, 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 I was looking for actual pictures of it. I haven't seen it. Like, yeah. like, oh, okay. But, it's like uh, it's part speakeasy, part like lounge yeah. or something is what oh, someone uh, said in a Sports Illustrated article. I'm trying to go in there and, and have some scotch. Yeah, I have really to go now. to San Francisco this year. But the, uh, the, the, the quote that really tickled me was Joe Madden in there he was like i'm tired of people talking about how the manager isn't valued <laughs> although i think some teams don't value the manager so i was like in essence you're kind of agreeing with the point when you when you say that like well, although i think that's true i hate that you're talking about it but i'm 
I think you're accurate. <laughs> that's that's very Joe Madden. I did not conduct the interview with Joe Madden. That was that was Fabian. Um, I did cover Joe Madden briefly in Chicago. Love Joe Madden. Wish I could have talked to him. Um, that's that that's like so Joe Madden, and I think that was intentional. Like I don't. Some people just kind of talk themselves in circles. Like I think Joe knew exactly what he was saying when he said that. That was kind of his way of like. I hate I I I'm tired of reading the manager is a middle manager. Except sometimes they are, which is, I think, he doesn't think the mid- the manager should be a middle manager, but there are teams where it's treated that way. Now, interestingly enough, this was one of those points that didn't quite make the story. Um, I think Joe is one of those guys who, even though he's fairly progressive in the way he manages a game, um, still kind of goes off and does his own thing in the offseason. I think another change in the managerial scope is... Some of these managers, especially the ones with front office backgrounds, like AJ Hinch, like Gabe Kapler, are almost kind of doing front office stuff in the offseason. They're not just driving their bus or whatever like Joe Madden and kind of, you know, checking out for a few months. They are uh, deeply involved with everything that's going on in terms of player acquisition, in terms of player development, in terms of things that are happening in the minor leagues. I think that's one um, shift in the job that I almost uh, wish I would have brought up a little more in the article. That's a really good point because uh, it illustrates the merging of the two uh, more so yeah. than than it than most other things. Uh, I will uh, I will I do have to ask you this though. And what what is more of an example of Jim Leland being old school? His smoking cigarettes underneath the dugout, or the fact that he came up with Paul Newman as somebody who <laughs> is, if you look like Paul Newman at the end of the year, that means you didn't have a very good year because you weren't stressed, essentially, uh, over the course of a season managing a ball club. Which one is more old school? That's... It's, uh, Paul, Paul Newman's like not from Detroit, is he? Where's Paul Newman I, from? Because I'm just going to say I'm 28 years old and I've heard... So many like Paul Newman references since living in Michigan, and I have no idea why. Paul Newman's from Shaker Heights, Ohio, so neighboring state. Maybe that has something to do with it. If I'm missing some kind of connection here, listeners, please let me know. Growing up in Texas, no one ever like dropped Paul Newman as a cultural yeah. reference, but for some reason it happens up here, and it's not like he was like you know. There are plenty of other celebrities who could be mentioned. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Paul Newman. Um, I, I doubt there are many managers who are smokers today. Uh, there are none who would smoke underneath the dugout. But I feel like that's more likely to happen than a present-day manager dropping Paul yeah, Newman. because, I mean, to me, he's the dude from Slapshot. That's really the limited scope of, <laughs> of, of, of me and my age is that he's the, the dude from Snapshot. And I, Slapshot. And I know he did, like, a million things. Like, I, I'm not dumb on that aspect, but... Nice guy from Slapshot. So, you know, that was like the first, like, rated R movie my dad, like, let me watch or whatever, ran it at Blockbuster. <laughs> I was like, man, they put a lot of crazy stuff in movies these days. This is not Toy Story. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was one of those Don't Tell Mom uh, movies. That, you know, oh, I'd love know, that. So yep. Don't Tell Mom, yep. I'll let you watch this. Um, so, so, yeah, I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty good. And I will ask you this. Like, what do you... When you think of what you want in a manager, is it a data-driven or a data-informed? I believe that was a Showalter quote in uh, 
in the story and the one of the stories the good things the story kind of points out that i thought was really good is that like we're still we're hiring a lot of old dudes now so like for all this stuff about yeah. um i mean i was in new york a couple of weeks ago and listened to some sports talk radio dude the mets fans are ecstatic to have buck walter they really? are ecstatic and so like we're it really kind of speaks to the that's kind of crazy to me because i was like i was like buck walter has been brought up he's like interviewed for a lot of these jobs i think it was never super publicized but i believe he interviewed for the tigers job last year like i was kind of like why like why are we still doing this buck walter thing but i kind of get it you know you want some experience for a contending team especially a team like the mets and a high pro- profile media market i think if i were constructing a team i don't think i'd uh, be going out of my way to try to hire Buck Walter, really anyone of, of kind of that generation. But I do believe, I think if there's one position in my organization that I still want to value the human element a little bit, I think it's, it is the manager. I think that's a huge part of the job. I don't think you can just have um, a quant as your manager. I think I would want some smart people. I'd want a GM who values analytics, but also has some feel. I'd want a robust analytics team. I'd want a manager who values the data and is educated and informed, but I think I like a guy who isn't afraid to take a chance every now and then and who, more importantly, can connect with the players and um, build a culture. And that's super intangible, and I, I normally don't like to talk like that, but I've just I've just seen it too much in sports. Like I think that is absolutely a real thing, being able to command a room and have your team believe in you and every now and then make some in-game decisions that uh, maybe they're, you know, hopefully they're data-informed, but maybe, you know, you're not always painting by numbers when you're there in the heat of the game. I think watching A.J. Hinch and what he did with the Tigers organization made me believe that uh, more so than ever. Now, interesting, we did this big, you know, draft, like fake draft product and project with The Athletic um, a couple weeks ago, and I kind of had like four or five managers who I viewed as difference makers, and if I didn't get one of those guys, I was going to wait. I ended up being the last person to draft a manager, um, in which I got Tony La Russa, a Hall of Famer. Um, I understand why no one wanted La Russa. I didn't super want La Russa, but I was like... If I had to really choose between Tony La Russa or, like, Oliver Marmol, I think I'm taking Tony La Russa, you know? Um, so it's all really interesting. I would want, I think, someone kind of in, in between. But uh, I would want a diff- I would want one of these five or six guys, the Kaplers, the Coras, the Hinges, these guys who do seem to be difference makers. That's who Give I you an idea of how long Buck's been uh, managing is that he had <laughs> a at least one guest appearance on Seinfeld, a show that <laughs> stopped production in 1998. And this was when he was with the Yankees, so it had to have been like 95, yeah. 94. Wow. Um, depending on exact when Tori's first uh, first season with the Yankees. Buck, Buck's one of those guys, like, I'm sure he's good at what he does, but it's like, how many jobs has he been fired from? You know, and I know all managers. Manager is a job where you're going to get fired, as Ozzie Gian would uh, would rather famously say. But it's like this guys manage the Rangers and the Orioles and the Yankees, and I think I'm probably forgetting a couple other stops. And it's like, but keeps keeps getting hired again. You talk about recycling people, like that's that's kind of how I felt when he kept getting brought up in the 
in the process. Like, I feel like this is just like, this guy's done it before, so we're going to keep interviewing him. And sometimes that can be good, depending on your specific team. Sometimes, like, I don't know, Shane, like, shouldn't someone else get a chance at one of these jobs? That's how I feel about Buckshot Walter. No yeah, offense to That's fair. That's no very fair. Um, I also, I mean, you, in the story, you talk about, like, you know, managerial feel. Tigers fans will remember game two of the 2006 ALCS where Leland put in, uh, is it Lexi or Alexis? I can't remember. Gomez in the lineup. And he had a two-run yeah. home run, had another uh, two-RBI single. Uh, and it was literally, I remember at the time being like, Leland was just, I had a feeling. This guy hit a home run in game <laughs> two of the ALCS. In his actual you know, regular season career, he only had one career home run. So, I mean, talk, talk about yeah. having a gut feeling and it paying off. Yeah. Uh, I doubt it was analytically driven. We weren't really talking like that at the time, <laughs> even though they you were know, playing the A's and stuff. But no. I doubt that was the analytical move. But sometimes it works out. I'm not sure if you could even get away with oh, that yeah. in today's game. That kind of that kind of bold decision. It's a, yeah, it's a human game, you know, and that's and that's why I I think you're right about meshing the two, and especially 162 games, you got to be able to handle people, um, you know, and and by all accounts, AJ seems to be you know done a phenomenal job previously and did a pretty good job this past year. Real quick, just like two minutes, I want to. We talked about retirement numbers, re- retiring numbers recently. Um, I was listening to a pod where they're talking about, do we really need to retire manager numbers? Like they're not really even wearing jerseys now. Can't we just honor them? Uh, I thought that was a pretty good point. Um, also the Yankees are retiring Paul O'Neill's number is. Yeah. I, I was like, really? Paul O'Neill? You know, he had, he, he made four. All, uh, I know he was like a significant member of the Yankees dynasty. The though, Yankees? Like, the Yankees. Really? Their story yeah, franchise. That's exactly Like, if there was... Again, exactly I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but if, like, the Tigers, a historic franchise that obviously pales in comparison to the Yankees, but, like, if the Tigers re- retired the equivalent of Paul O'Neill, I think there'd be people that would be laughing at him. You know? Yeah. No, I agree. So, I agree. I, All right, so real quick, should managers continue to wear jerseys, though? They don't even do it now. I'm a little they don't do it now. now. They just have the pullover. I know. That, that's why I was going to say no because most of them wear pullovers like over the jerseys or they just don't wear the jersey at all. Even in, Like every now and then they'll be seen like, oh, in the jersey. But if you're yeah. not going to wear the jersey, do you still have to wear ba- – like I like the look of a manager in yes. baseball pants I for some too. reason. But is there any point to that? Like, There's not. I, I like really, the opening you know. day when the two managers are probably like for the World Series and like you know, all the stuff where they go to exchange the lineups or whatever. I like that aesthetic of – you know the the managers wearing the jerseys, but I also maybe think I'm gonna say they don't need them, and I, that's fair. I think if managers started wearing sweatpants, we'd all get used to it pretty quickly. No, that's fair. I mean, that's very you know Aaron Boone. Like anyone know his number? You know what I mean? So no. and Joe Torre. Do you think of number six when you think of Joe Torre as manager of the Yankees? I feel like he was like actually wore the uniform more, so I. It's not like the first thing no, that pops did, into mind, but, but I like, picture Tori like wearing the uniform with the six. It's, it's not like Mickey. It's like not like you sign autographs. Mickey Mantle signed autographs. Mickey Mantle seven. It's not like Joe <laughs> yeah, Tori is like Joe yeah. Tori six. Like come on. Um, yeah, for sure. All right. Um, <laughs> I encourage everybody to go read those articles. Uh, and if you just feel so inclined, going back to the Galarraga thing, and you can go to the link that's in Cody's story. Uh, it, it, try to read through that. I thought I was gonna try to do it. 
and then I was like, maybe another time, man. <laughs> it's like, long. It's long. It's, it's, it's long. a lot. It's, it's dense. It's, it's long. Good. You gotta be in the yeah. You gotta be in the mood to read a court. A lot of a lot sure. of credit to those students. And then one more nugget from that. I did like the part where the professor like had specific instructions for the courier to uh, make sure that yeah. the thing was actually uh, <laughs> delivered to Major League Baseball's like headquarters or whatever. Uh, I thought that was really funny. Kudos to them. Kudos to the students. Seemed like they did a fine job. I, I, I admire the effort. Uh, I think Rob Manford is busy with other things currently, and I think it'd be cool if, if Rob like were to revisit this at some point this year, but if I had to guess, I, I, he's probably never going to look at this. Rob, that's that's just my not. guess. But... You know, he is a lawyer after all, so maybe maybe in his free time he likes to read. Maybe he'll appreciate legal, it, you know. yeah. yeah, maybe he would appreciate it. Um, all right, so for this week's College Chronicles, though, we're, March is here as of this publishing week, and March Madness. I assume a lot, of these, a lot of people that listen to this are also Michigan State fans, Michigan fans, uh, two programs that had a pretty good amount of success this past several years. In college basketball, March Madness is officially upon us. Cody and I spent many an hour, many a days covering the Oklahoma State men's basketball team when we were in college. And some of the more interesting years in recent memory of the Oklahoma State program, a lot of that had to do with Marcus Smart coming uh, coming to Oklahoma State from just down the road from where I'm broadcasting right now, Marcus High School in Flower Mound. Um, the best games were those against the University of Kansas. There was a lot of, you know, for University of Kansas, one of the top programs of all time. Their coach, one of the best coaches, he's a Hall of Famer, one of the best coaches in America, also an Oklahoma State alum, so there was always that kind of connection thing. And they always have, you know, obviously really good players. And this particular year, we're going to talk about is all these things that went on on a 2014 game, Oklahoma State hosting Kansas. Uh, the bad blood between the two programs started the year before. Marcus Smart leads them his, as, as a true freshman to a win at Kansas, which is one of the toughest places to play. Does a backflip. Ever since then, Kansas fans, not too fond of Marcus Smart. Um, fast forward a year, they had a close game back the first time back at Kansas, and then on March 3rd, 2014, yes, Cody, this was eight years ago, um, Oklahoma State Ooh. hosted number five, Kansas. The two stars for Kansas were Andrew Wiggins, number one overall recruit, later obviously would be the number one overall pick, and Joel Embiid, who was a guy that was kind of a relative unknown at the beginning of the season and then really came on. And uh, it was a sold-out arena, Gallagher-Iba Arena. Uh, Oklahoma State ends up winning the game 72-65. to A lot of back and forth. I, I, if you if you feel so inclined, just go watch the YouTube clips of this game. I'll probably tweet it out just for fun. It was a awesome college basketball game, Cody and I. Great game. Arguably the most successful pro athlete in that game is a guy named Mason Cox. Yes who was a walk-on, uh, long, lanky guy, for some reason got thrown in there to guard Joel Embiid and actually held yeah. his own. Probably the best moment of his OSU career. He's now like an Australian rules football one. player and I believe is like yeah. really good. Hilarious. Yeah, so yeah. there's just like so many layers to this. Um, I remember watching. What? 
I remember watching, and it's okay, we can have Olive in here. I remember watching the the game with you. It was the first time us seeing like Embiid and being like, "That's a he, that's Hakeem Olajuwon, dude." Like I was like, "That's Hakeem Olajuwon." This was when he was really skinny. You can't really recognize him now. Uh, more mobile than he is now, just because of the added weight. And that was actually a game that he got hurt. He hurt his back a little bit. If you look at his stat line, he had 13 rebounds. Um, you know, he, he ended up having to come out of the game for a bit. And that was, you know, 13 points, 13 rebounds. Obviously nothing like, oh, my God. But that was the game that kind of started his, like, health problems. And then, it, you know, went into the draft in the first part of his career and whatever. So... There's so many layers to this, this this College Chronicle story. And I'm just going to kind of spitball, and I just need you, Cody, to just kind of intervene uh, whenever... This buildup has already been lengthy, and it's not remotely close to the most interesting part of this no. story. Okay, so we get word prior to this is obviously... I think College Game Day was there that day. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there was... a. A lot of hype about this weekend. We got word that there was going to be a rap group performing a concert l- later that night. They're actually from Dallas. They're called Young Nation. That's young with no uh, O in the uh, in the first word. Young Nation. And so in the whole week, we're getting hyped for the game to go be able to see like these great players, dudes we knew they were going to be future pros, you know. And this rap concert as well. So... It, we're just juice the entire time. And then an ice storm happens. So also in the lead up to this week, we had been watching some Young Nation videos, courtesy of our friend Murphy, who's been uh, uh, of this mm-hmm. podcast fame. And we, we would watch those videos, which were, uh, for lack of a better term, hilarious. <laughs> and so, you know, we would analyze the game, talk about the game, and we'd be watching Young Nation videos. Yeah, a lot of build-up. A lot of build-up. So um, there's an ice storm... In, in Stillwater that weekend, Ice storm, and it was not light. Like it was, it, it was tough sledding there uh, to get around Stillwater. So keep that in mind as, as we move forward. So the game ends, and you know Oklahoma State has this great, you know, big victory. This kind of put they win, they storm, storm the court. court. It, it's kind of puts time. them in the NCAA tournament essentially at that time because they've been floundering like it. It yeah. was it was not a it was a season with a lot of hype that ended up being really disappointing. However, that that was one of those games that you were looking forward to when you saw the talent that Oklahoma State had. So they win the game. Holly Rowe bari- borrowed my iPhone charger, which when you're a sophomore in college, you, th- you think that was pretty oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Tons of media attention. Tons of media attention okay. leading oh, up to yeah. this game, and so we're, we're getting our stories done. So at that time, we were gonna have. Um, we we're gonna have our friend Tim, who we've mentioned on and off in this podcast. We we're gonna have him uh, edit our stories and put them online. So there's two sure. things going on. There's a concert afterward, and there's also a house party hosted by our colleague Tyler. And we didn't really have a whole lot of interest in going to this house party. We wanted to go to the Young Nation concert, and so. Uh, <laughs> we we kind of told people, oh yeah, we'll stop by, knowing that we was never gonna stop by. So so we 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 get our work done. We tell Tim like, hey, 
you know, edit our stories and, you know, put them up online. Come to find out. All right, Kieran was itching. Kieran was itching to get to this oh. concert. And me being me, like, took way too long, like, trying to write a good story or whatever thing to, like, help my career. <laughs> Won an award for that game story. Ultimately, I could have mailed it in, and I think my career would not be any different. Probably should have mailed it in. We could have got, like, 20 extra minutes at the concert. Probably would have been worth it. And, you know, all's well, ends well. Still ended up, you know, working out. <laughs> um, uh, so we tell Tim at the time, uh, or, you know, that, that our stories are done. And he's over at Tyler's house already. And apparently, I forget who told us this. Probably Murphy. Like, he walked into <laughs> the the house. And not much of a drinker is Tim. Then or now. No. And no. so he just grabs, like, a bottle of champagne and starts, like, chugging it. And obviously, we're not here for to see this. But this is what we're being told. He starts chugging the bottle of champagne. Tim got rejected by a girl, so he had... I believe he prefaced his champagne chugging with kind of an announcement yes. to, Just I don't like think like the whole party, people. but like yeah. Tyler, Murphy, they're kind of, what's up, Tim? He's, he, he doesn't really say hi, he just announces, today I got rejected. Yes. <laughs> Begins chugging and the a little background <laughs> on that is that he had taken, um, he had gone on Valentine's Day to see the Lego movie that had just come out in the movie theater. And so this girl, who we did not know at all, uh, well, was like, we, she became... Wasn't real sure if yeah, she was real, because Tim kind of announces like, oh yeah, yeah, I got a Valentine's Day date, Lego taking the girl movie. to see a Lego, oh, like, movie. Lego movie. Like, really? Like, who the hell is this? Yeah. So she was Lego movie girl, and, and so I guess the courtship lasted about another two weeks post-Valentine's uh, Day, and that was the ultimate rejection. I think they had gone to the game together. And he was going to leave early. Mm-hmm. And when she, like, he finally, like, laid it all out there and she said no, that was when he went into uh, went into chugging champagne mode, if you would. So we get notice that, remember that girl, by the way, everybody. So we get, uh, we, we get word of that. We're like, okay, this is crazy. Like, we're definitely not going there now because I don't want to deal with, we get notes that Tim had vomited in the Yes, seat. that's true. I forgot about that. So, so we go back to like my apartment complex. We're going to change um, so we can go out to uh, to the concert venue, which is technically like outside of town, just you know, a couple miles down like a two-way road or whatever. And we're trying to get a hold of Murphy. Murphy wants to come, but Murphy's at the house party, and, and he's also throwed. So it's kind of hard to get any any commitment from him. So eventually, Cody and I are like, all right, screw it. We're just going to go ourselves and just, like, tell him, like, we're going to be there. Y'all be there you know, whenever you can. Yeah. Uh, back, back, back at this time, Cody, you drove that uh, that yellow Ford Ranger. Uh, oh, and, yeah. And uh, so we were in that car. I, I brought a flask with me because I was under 21 at the time. I brought a flask with me, <laughs> and uh, and I put it, like, underneath – my heel because i was like oh they'll pat me down but they won't like look in my shoe uh was kind of my thought process i'm not saying it's good thought process i'm just saying that was my thought process so we get to the concert venues hold on hold on just getting there was very difficult recall it was an ice storm i was in my 01 ford ranger and the like window defrosters (laughs) just like didn't really work and I, I was in college, probably should have, like, replaced my windshield wipers, but didn't. 
basically my windshield was just frozen and it wasn't really going to be like unfrozen, you know, wasn't a whole lot we were going to be able to do about it. Uh, we drove part of that way, I think, like, yep. with our heads yep. out the windows, like trying to see. And talk about cars that did not handle well. This <laughs> Ford Ranger, two-wheel drive, unbalanced because it was a truck, like worse on ice than the Mustang. Like just very, like I spun around in that thing a time or two in my life. Um, yeah, it was awful drive. We we luckily lucky we made yeah. it at all. We, we, we made it. We, we show up. There. We greet, uh, we're greeted by Brian Williams, player on the OSU men's basketball favorites. team, and his uh, girlfriend at the time, Tiffany Bias. Is she still in the I WNBA? I don't believe she is. In, she, but she is, was, but she's uh, a really good player. She was a very good player, WNBA player. So we're greeted by them, you know, feeling pretty cool walking in. You know, they dapped us up. So, like, yeah, we, you know, we know them. We're with them. Yeah. We're pretty cool. So we go in there. <laughs> Kieran gets, gets his flask in there. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is they start having people lift up their leg pants. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> uh, that's gonna be a tell. So, uh, so I go, oh, I forgot my wallet, and then I like walk like away from the entrance and take take the flask out and just like throw it on the ground or whatever, like uh, <laughs> uh, in the parking lot. And then I walk back and I go to, you know, show my ID or whatever, and. Again, at this time, my family lived in New York, so I had a New York ID. Uh, New York IDs, like Texas IDs said under 21 until, and it gave the 21st birthday. New York IDs just said under 21. So I always thought that was dumb because why wouldn't you put the date? Whatever. So the guy's looking at my ID, and he's like bending it this way, that way, and he's like looking at it real hard, and I'm like, what? what is he doing? So... He finally gives it back to me, and I was like, are you trying to break this ID, dude? Because as I've said before, these things are like 80 bucks. How am I going to get another one? I'm in college, you know, halfway across the country. I was like, you're going to break my ID, dude. Like, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm just trying to make sure that it's not fake. I go, why? This is what I told him. I was like, why would I have an ID that says I'm under, tw- a fake ID that says I'm under 21? <laughs> And he looks at me with this like really weird face, and you know he gives me like a wristband or whatever, and then I go in the concert, and the, the, the concert's still warming up. You know, people are having a really good time, and of course, you know they're celebrating a big win, and then plus like the vibes of the concert are great, and and I'm just kind of vibing, you know, above my head. And I look at my wrist, Anheuser Busch, please drink responsibly. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> So I go to Cody. I was like, do you have one of these? Because, you know, obviously Cody's younger than me. So I was like, he goes, no, I didn't give me anything. I was like, oh, they think I'm 21. I'm going to be right back. <laughs> so I was just going and buying like two beers at a time. I think what we would do is like I would just kind of like waterfall it. And then I'd kind of give it to you when we were in a crowd to just kind of like chug the rest of it. Yeah, I was very nervous to do this. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing it. Like, I don't want to get kicked out. Cause I had like a, like an X or like a stamp right. in my hand. Kim's like, just put your hand in your pocket, man. Finally, like with enough, enough tempting, you know, I, I drink a little bit of the beer. Yeah. <laughs> so I was taking full advantage of this guy, not being able to do basic math. Uh, so, so like I said, the conscious is really great. Eventually Murphy comes and and how he up. got there was he had this girl Kayla that was also like a colleague of us um had her in her Mustang it was a Mustang right uh Dodge a Challenger. Challenger okay in her 
Very nice. Maybe a Charger. Maybe a Charger. Nice Dodge nice sports Nice Dodge car. sports car. She's from a, uh, a wealthy part of uh, Oklahoma City suburb. And uh, Murphy somehow convinces her to get him to drive him to the concert in the ice storm. And she spins out. And I think she totaled the car. I think she totaled. No. no, didn't total it, but messed up like the front axle. I think it popped like the yeah, driver's like hit a curve, side. Maybe like, tire. Hit a, like a light pole yeah. or something lightly. Well, she slid and it hit like these these poles that were on like a where yeah. you're turning right. Hard to describe. She hit that, popped the tire, really messed up the front of the car. Uh, she ended up. I would. I used to tease that like number one, she had that car and she got it fixed. But she informed me that her parents actually made her like. Uh, pay for the repairs with her own money so i which which surprised me <laughs> yeah, to which i say what money you're in college uh but <laughs> yeah i don't know where she yeah anyway all right but the but, thing is so she messes up the car yeah, on the way i think they had to get it towed though so i had to get it towed to like a shop or whatever somehow murphy still ends up wait how how did he actually get there this is like kind of pre-uber yeah. i don't i don't actually remember yeah, how he actually got like, there i i think i think you've called somebody else to like come and get him with a ride or whatever and so he shows up and he's oh man he's like he's beside himself like feeling yeah, some type feeling of way some type of way because he had been lit most of the day uh you know un- unlike you and i cody he had grown up an oklahoma state fan so he you know he's got years of fandom and all that stuff you know it was a big win you know the concert you know it, it was just an overall great night um he claims he walks in and right away sees like marcus smart who's doing like the og bobby johnson you know that only got him more hype <laughs> yeah he was he was he was classic murphy in this sense it's the only one way to describe it and it's just classic murphy um just again we've described him before but the the most well-dressed uh the like what the 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 slacks and the button up and the vest ratchet dude you will ever meet in your life uh so just imagine that kind of person going to this concert and just getting hyped like 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 he grew up in the inner city you know and and so concert was a great time i think we also told like because my roommate jacob was also there and we told him also find your Mm -hmm. way home like we're like we can't (laughs) Cody's car is a, like a two-seater, like three. Maybe. Oh yeah! <laughs> like, like you're gonna have to find. Like, you're not forcing your way in this car. Like, you're gonna have to find your way home. <laughs> there was also uh, a girl there you were pursuing at the time. Ooh, which one was that? Oh, was that? Yeah, it did not go well. That was a. <laughs> no. <it didn't. laughs> You're pretty excited about seeing her dance, yeah, yeah. though. I mean, you know, you're you're excited. You're able to show that you were able to acquire alcohol. Yes. You know, unfortunately, it was she didn't she didn't give you much attention. That was one of those girls that I thought, stuff. you know, maybe if I wore like a nice brand clothing and I like like showed her that I wore them, like, uh, you know, she, you know, think a little higher of me. And yeah, it didn't yeah. work out that way. A nice friend to this day. Turns out she was one of those girls who liked to go after the actual Yeah, athletes. not the guys who cover them. Uh, <laughs> but a decent friend throughout college. I'm not going to say we're like close or anything. Oh, but good person. Good person, good person. and all that stuff. Oh, no, will, will. But uh, that was a time where I had to figure out it was a no-go. So, you know, I didn't get like flat-out rejected like Tim did that day. But, you know, I got, I got the turn down, I guess. 
So is there anything else from that concert worth noting before I lay the punchline? Uh, I mean, they, they, oh, there's so much. I mean, Young Nation's going wild. They call Marcus Smart up on the stage toward the end of the concert, and he just, like, says something really dumb, I think. They, yeah, the guy from Young Nation was like, hey, y'all, like, F Kansas. Oh, yeah, there's an F Kansas and Marcus chant. said, Give like, something. Marcus Smart. Because, again, Marcus yeah. is from Dallas, too. So, and Marcus so, is eating so they, Marcus they, is they probably know yeah. each other, you know, one of the top athletes in the area. And, oh, yeah, I think they so, did, yeah. yeah. Oh, we saw another player. I'm not going to say his name. Um, we saw another <laughs> player who was definitely under 21. He had a whole body of Ciroc in his hand. And he was backstage like most of the basketball team was. And and was just like going to town on this bottle of Ciroc. Chugging the like raspberry yeah. Ciroc. And, and I will say this. He was no scrub either. He... He spent some time in some summer league and some G League and, you know, mainly plays overseas. So no scrub of a player either. But at this time, uh, was a big unknown. And uh, <laughs> see. At, at the end of the concert, Young Nation is, they're about to announce where the after party's at. And we get kind of hype. We're like, oh, like, we're going, like, Marcus and them are going to be there. Like, we're going to go to this. I get my phone out to write down <laughs> the, the address in my notes app. And the guy says, like, all right. Y'all, the after party's gonna be at like one five one six. These nuts. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I'm just like, oh, like he got, got like, <laughs> wow. I I fell for that one hard. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure I, I'll tell you what the the girl that I was trying to talk to at that time, she probably knew where the after party was. That's probably like that. So, um, so we end up like going, you know, leaving or whatever. The funniest bow to tie on this story. So you have you're seeing like three future first lottery picks and Wiggins, Smart, and um, and Embiid, Embiid, and you know it's a it's a hype game. You go to this concert, all the logistics with the ice, and there's this house party that we're like not really going to because we think it's gonna be lame. And then you know Tim like really going out of character, chugging champagne, the the car crash with a friend Kayla and Murphy, and you know all these things. So I bring it back. The, the girl, the girl who crashed the car. I don't even know how to describe it, but she—that was not the end of her either. Like she was like a reoccurring yes, character in yes, our college. She definitely years. is definitely a, a part. She's got her whole chapter, I would say, of uh, of our mm. our college lives. So if you guys will remember, Lego Movie Girl, um, they drove separately. A couple of things for context. They drove separately to the movie theater. And Tim presented her with a rose. I'm not trying to drag the man for making a good faith effort. I will say, <laughs> what's the practicality of bringing a rose to meet a girl at the movie theater? What's she supposed to do with it? Like, hang on to it like the whole time you're in the movie theater? The, the logistics of that are, you know, they're, they're questionable a little bit. I think if you're going to show up at um, the rose, you better be sure it's actually a date, first of all. You probably should... She probably should pick her up. Which, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, I found out those details later because Tim didn't really share too much of that because, you know, it's embarrassing. Oh. I get it. I get it. Lego Movie Girl is now my fiance, Alexis. <laughs> Let's go. So for, for years, I just knew her as Lego Movie Girl, this girl that, like, Tim knew who got rejected had no traction of anything with like a relationship and met at the movie theater the car mic at the time with a rose to 
go watch Lego movie. She insists that she was clear it was not a date. I was like, let me tell you something. He definitely sold it as a date to us. You know. Uh, you also still agreed to go to a movie with the dude on Valentine's yeah, it's Day. Like, what are you like, doing? What, what are you playing? What, what do you think? Come you on now. Gone the day before, the day after. You know, like you know, that, that movie wasn't leaving. Um, wasn't leaving the movie theaters the next day. You know, so that is now my fiance Alexis. She was to to us Cody for years. She was Lego Movie Girl because, and we'd see like one time we saw her at the bowling alley or whatever. Tim tell us like, oh yeah, that's that's. Lego Movie Girl, oh, that's and right. yeah. and, uh, and she was just an enigma for so long, and and now she's the person that I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with, unless she refuses to leave New Orleans uh, this week on her bachelorette party. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how's that for layers? Beautiful story. How's that for layers? How's that for layers? Uh, um, I hope I hope everybody uh, got a kick out of that. Maybe you got some, you know. Probably got some similar examples of some stuff like that. You know, you just never know how how life kind of weaves in a certain way. And and uh, I always say, like, without Tim, you know, where would I be? You know, t- you know, Tim's gonna be a groomsman at my wedding. Obviously, you know, you're the best man. Obviously, so like, you know, our lives are intertwined in a variety of ways that you just never expect. Ain't it, ain't it beautiful? It's so beautiful. So beautiful. So. Um, hope, like I said, hope you guys got entertained by that. Maybe it took you back to some of your college days as we had to realize that was almost a decade ago that night. Um, but uh, if you did like it, if you like anything we do, you can always subscribe on Apple and Spotify. You can leave us a five-star review. We're going to have a little bit of a a little bit of a giveaway, just a fun little giveaway here coming up in the next month. So be on the lookout for that on social media. He's at... Cody Stavenhagen. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our podcast page is at Turn Corner Pod. Next week, we'll have some eye observations from we Mr. Will. Stavenhagen regarding some of these intriguing prospects in Tigers camp. So hopefully, uh, or mini camp. I don't want to be you know inaccurate with the statement there. Mini camp. Um, mini camp. So hopefully, you guys will stay tuned for that. And maybe by the time we li- you know you guys listen to this. We have a regular season. Or we don't, and the things push back. But either way, you know, things are happening. Not necessarily all good, but it is always good to talk to you, Cody. Thank you, everybody, for listening, subscribing to The Athletic. I believe you guys still have a deal right now going on for $1 for six months. or Six months. It's a really good deal. And you hear these stories. You hear the background. It's not as good as reading the actual thing. I really encourage everybody to subscribe to The Athletic if they can. So we're going to get out of here for... Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody, thank you for listening and have a great week.